This is Tax Debt Consultant with the godfather of tax resolution with enrolled agent Carlos Samaniego. It's time to put all of your tax problems behind you using plain and simple language. Carlos will show you how to reduce your tax debt and get the IRS hitman off your back. Off your back. And now, the godfather, Carlos Samaniego. Hello, this is Carlos Samaniego on the Top Tax Debt Podcast and YouTube channel. And I am so excited today to be able to have one of my mentors getting involved in the tax resolution business. And um, I I think he just joined us in the green room. So I'm just going to pop him in here. We're just going to go at it here. Um, Eric, there you are. How you doing, buddy? I'm well. I'm great. How you doing? Excellent. Excellent, man. Uh, I'm just so excited to finally have you um, on my podcast and YouTube channel because um, you are kind of one of the reasons I really wanted um, to get involved in the tax resolution business. Um, I I think I mentioned to you, uh, we've talked about this and it's in my book. uh, The reason I got involved in this business is because I went eight years in my 20s not filing my own taxes. And um, you know, I was lucky enough to find a person that specialized in tax resolution uh, that was able to help me with my problems. In fact, uh, Eric, I don't know if I told you, Ernie now, the guy who actually helped me um, almost 20 years ago to fix my tax situation, he has now joined my firm um, and working with me to actually do this. So it's kind of weird how everything comes full circle. It, it, it really it really is. Um uh, no, and, uh, you know, listen, I, I've actually enjoyed getting to know you in the, in the, in the six months or so that we've been, we've been doing this. It's, um, there's a huge need. And if you're interested in doing this as you, you found that interest, um, there's a lot of good you can do helping people. And there's a huge need, mm-hmm. huge need for help. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I found you initially, I think almost three or four years ago when you kind of got, got your, um, not only are you a tax attorney and you handle tax resolution, um, tax resolution cases, you're the founder of your, um, your law, law firm, Green and Scars. Um, you actually train individuals like myself on how to become better at what they do, correct? Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of weird. I, I was an estate planner 22 years ago. I got out of law school, I'd been an accountant. I'm an estate planner and, you know, and I like the strategy of estate planning, but a lot of it is drafting documents. And I really didn't love drafting documents. And what I found is I started to have clients that got into trouble. And so back then there were these, you know, yeah, it's kind of, I'm going to show my age. There were these things that the IRS called human beings that you could actually go meet with. And I learned to do it by sort of just doing, I mean, you just kind of figured it out. And I ended up doing my LLM in tax with a guy, Jeff Squars, who is now my law partner. Jeff found the same thing, but he was a bankruptcy litigator and found out that, you know, there are tax issues in like every case. Mm-hmm. And most bankruptcy lawyers don't understand it. So he came at it from that angle. I came at it from my, my small business clients getting into trouble. And we used to joke that years ago, we would joke that eventually we're only going to be each other's competition here in Connecticut. And, you know, at some point he just called and said, all right, you know what, let's just get together already and let's be done with it. And um, no, it's been it's been where we went from two and a half people to 23 people. 
right? And, 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 and how many people are you training nationwide? I mean, just people to do this type of work. It's quite a bit, right? Um, I mean, formal members, we're probably now approaching 400. Um, wow. uh, but as far as the speaking, I mean, I just gave a talk for 1,200 accountants on CPA Academy. So it's, right, right. you know, what we do, what I find is it's almost like a car wreck. Every accountant is vague, like they're drawn to it. But what I hear a lot of is, you know, I don't want to fight with the IRS. They'll, you know, or they'll, you know, the IRS will um, retaliate. And I'm like, look, I do this for a living. I do criminal cases. It's been 22 years. I've never even been audited. They're, they're not going to retaliate. In fact, honestly, you and I and everyone who does this, um, they actually, certainly at the higher levels, they appreciate us because they can't enforce their way out, out of the, the, you know, the tax gap. Mm -hmm. They need professionals to help bring these cases to a resolution. So um, I think the, the IRS actually appreciates you know, me, you, and other people who do this and help taxpayers get through this and help the government bring it to a closure. Well, you, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually, and I remember hearing you talk about that, that how they really appreciate the services that we provide. And I had one specific case. It was a contractor um, who had hired me. His, his wife started having her uh, bank accounts levied um, and it was for his sole proprietor business. And when he had a revenue officer involved because he had some 941 taxes going and things like that. Little had the contract, the contractor didn't even know yet that they had issued a levy to all his um, suppliers and vendors to go after that. And, and he had no idea that it happened yet. So when I had actually called this revenue officer, he specifically told me, Carlos, I've been trying to deal with this guy for a couple of years. And now, and I've worked with this revenue officer before. He said, now that I know he's going to handle this and that you're going to take care of this, I'm willing to release those levies as long as you're handling this case and going to move forward to getting my request. So you're right. They're, they want to work with somebody that knows what they're doing. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I've had similar experiences where the client will call and say, um, I told the revenue officer who was yelling at me that I was hiring you. And she said, I know, Eric, have him call me. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, and uh, well, listen, there are a couple we have. Um, we do have the four horsemen of the apocalypse here in Connecticut right. who uh, it doesn't matter. They're they're out for their pound of flesh. They, they really have anger management issues is what the reality is. Um, but for the most part, um, I think that when you build a good reputation that you know what you're doing and you're fair and you are, you're upfront with them, they appreciate you. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And that kind of brings something else that you mentioned earlier. One of the, um, you know, the title of this talks is that the IRS is broken. Um, I kind of feel that way, especially the last six weeks. It, it's really uh, felt that way, especially um, whole times went from like, you know, we use a, a certain service that. Um, tax professionals, uh, uh, certain tax professionals can use. We're allowed to connect with it a really fast time frame. But I've noticed, like in the last six weeks, those time frames have shot up dramatically um, in terms of from minutes to possibly hours. Um, yep. a couple of, last, last Friday, I think I slammed my phone down because I was on hold for three hours and yep. then it just disconnected. And I know that's what the average taxpayer kind of deals with. But, you know, we have certain lines that we're like, okay, that's happening to us. Yeah, the IRS broken. <laughs> it, it it is, and and, and um, uh, so I'll tell you, it's 
So I'm, you know, I have all of the IRS executives involved in the New England Rep Conference, and um, I'm talking at the Washington State Tax Symposium, and I'm interviewing them, but we're we're pre-recording it. And I brought this up, and off the record, one of them, one of their staff people told me over the phone, she said, Eric, it's a, and these are her words, it's a shit show over here. And uh, because I was saying, like, you know, if you ask them, they're opening the mail. All the mail gets opened. But I think I think they're technically opening the mail. I think they're ripping it open and throwing it in a box, and it's sitting there because you can't get anything done. You can't mail anything and hope that it gets done. But meanwhile, automated enforcement continues. Bingo. And so it, it's really, um, you know, I'll give you know, I'll give you an example, and I'm sure you have your own. Someone filed an amended 17 return within the three years. So they have this, this refund they carried over. Um, well, the IRS is now pursuing the liability on 20 because they don't show the refund because they never processed the amended return. So oh. I have 20 now in collection when the taxpayer doesn't owe them anything. And how do I explain to them that, well, the 17 had the refund and they're like, well, we don't have it. We don't even know if it's processable. So they're moving ahead on 20. It's stuff like that. And to taxpayers, they're like, well, I hired you. Right. Fix it. And, and so, you know what we're doing? I doubt it's the liability offers, which just gum up the system, but it stops the collection. So I'm filing doubt it's the liability offers. Because by the time in a year that that gets looked at, I hope the amended return goes in and the whole thing resolves itself. It's, you know, it's I'm glad you brought that up because I got something going on exactly like that. Now I know exactly what I need to do. It's just file that doubt to liability offer and wait while this stuff goes through. It, wow. and, and it's it's a you know what it is? It's a waste of government resources. It's a waste of the client resources. It's a waste a waste of our time. But this is what it's come down to, and it's um, you, you can't get anything done. Um, they're all working remotely, so the one people they do have it's slower than ever before, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, the reasonable people at the IRS will try to figure out a way to work with you. The unreasonable people are like, well, I don't know. I don't know about anything about an amended return. It's not my computer. All right. So, well, and it's a problem with offers, right? You file these missing returns and they're, but they're not in the system. So how do you file the offer? I'm telling everyone, take copies of it, sign copies. Include all the signed copies of those missing returns. You mail in the offer package and explain. We filed these months ago. Don't know where they are, but here are copies for you so you know the taxpayer is in compliance. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah so uh, I'd say, yeah, it's broken. Yeah, it's 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 beyond broken. And it gets frustrating because um, your office is probably getting calls on left and right. I just got this notice. Why am I getting this notice? Um, I had a client. They sent a $60,000 check in three months ago. It still hasn't been cashed. So it's like, what do you do? What do you, uh, I mean, and I guess we just got to document everything that we're actually doing and hopefully the system gets unbroken eventually, right? Yeah, well, I mean, what, what you do, first of all, whatever you can do electronically, do electronically. So uh, I'm, I'm telling clients, please don't mail in checks. Please go online and use direct pay. It's actually very simple. Right. If you use direct pay, it's taken automatically. It hits their system. I think within 72 hours, they can see it. Uh, anyone logging in. Um, 
And because I tell them, you mail the check, they don't know you mailed it. Enforcement continues. And so on the one hand, this is the problem with automation. Whereas before there were human beings, you could fax things to a human being and they could at least put a hold on while everything got processed. Because of the nature of the automation, they're just, they're going to plow ahead. Um, and it, no, it's it's a problem. Now, again, it can be, de- if you're if you're listening to this and like, oh my God, what do I, it can be dealt with, right? Doubt is the liability offers. Um, I will file, I've filed a lot of 911s with the advocate saying, here it is. Can you get them to stop? Um, anything you can do electronically, do it electronically. The POA submission, electronic. The um, payments, any direct payments, estimated payments, electronic. Um, you know, and that all seems to work fine. It's these mailed-in packages. And my suggestion for those people struggling with that, saying, look, I mailed in this amended return, showing them I don't owe it. Enforcement's continuing. What do I do? Um the doubtless liability offer. Uh, if you're doing an offer, submit anything that you mailed into them. Assume they don't have it. Mail it in with the offer. At least just take that stuff off the table and let them deal with it. Let them deal with it. Gotcha. Now, part of this, I think, system being broken, and you're probably seeing a lot of this, is um, anytime there's a major crisis, there's, uh, there's a lot of opportunists. And what I'm seeing is a lot of people all of a sudden getting involved into the tax resolution business. Um, whether it be, um, you know, accountants, CPAs, or even attorneys that they've never done it before, but now they're kind of going out there saying that, oh, they are the specialists at this, but never been trained, whether using um, all the resources out there, whether using your company, they're just all of a sudden they become experts and they're creating a shit show. They're creating nightmares for the clients. Um, yep. Are you seeing similar, uh, like the offer and compromise mills or other parts, they're not even a professional, they're just mills popping up. Yep. Um, what's your kind of take on that and what's going on? Yeah, well, I mean, the mills, like those companies that you see here on satellite radio, mm-hmm. um, what I'm finding is they're not doing offers because offers take too much time and effort. They, they, they know Ronnie Deutsch and tax masters, they all went under because they couldn't manage the inventory. You know, with an offer, you have to manage the back and forth with the government. What they're doing is they're taking a lot of money to do streamlined agreements and first-time penalty abatements. That's Mm -hmm. what they want to do. They want to set people up in agreements. That way they've resolved it, and they're done. They've taken their money, and they're out. The fly-by-night people, um, they are causing damage. We have a case. They advise the client. We're going to file an offer for you. Stop making your installment agreement payments. Okay, so the client stopped. They never filed the offer and then ultimately never returned the client's calls. So the client is now back in collection and we're trying to reestablish that payment plan. And we're, you know, again, trying to get a human being at the IRS. You're on hold. They give you the courtesy hang up, which is a term I just love. Um <laughs> And you no, know, it, it is. There are, but I, I think you're right. I think it's people who see that there's an opportunity. Um, you know, when everything was great, these were the people who were the travel agents. Then they all go on to being mortgage brokers. This week they're doing tax resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately, they're always going to be scamsters. If you're listening to this and you're like, well, how do you know? What you want to do is look at their background and, um, you know, and the other thing is, I mean, you know, you know, for tax rep, we launched tax rep directory 
right. for that reason. So you can find people that actually do this. You want to be a little bit skeptical of people who say this. Um, and, and it's perfectly fine to say, well, how many of these have you done? What kind of results? Um, and the other thing is I would want to do a pay for a consult before I went and dropped a lot of money uh, on somebody. You know, it's one thing, you know, like, and, and Carlos, you've heard this, but we do a consult. And what we tell people is yeah, we charge 5000 for an offer, but why would we take 5000 I don't know if I can do an offer for you or not. Yep, Let's do the analysis. If we determine that you can, we'll take, you know, we charge 5000 minus what you already paid, which is $1,500. Right. And, but at least this way, you walk out knowing what you can and can't do. I think we're, I think we're closing virtually everybody. Mm -hmm. Because you know what they say? Hey, wait a minute. You're a real person. And you're actually going to walk me through this and explain it for $1,500? Why should I pay 8000 to the disembodied voice in Colorado? Right. And so I think that people would like to find someone local to work with. And by doing the consult and walking them through it, one, it helps us. So I'm not in the middle of trying to do an offer and we realize we can't do an offer. Now we have to start backtracking and what can we do and explain to the client. But the other thing is it makes the client feel comfortable. I'm with the right, I'm with the right people, right? right. I'm in the right place. Right. I, I, and I get so many people say that you're actually a real person. It's not somebody yeah. on the phone. And it, usually even the person on the phone tells them, oh, I'm not handling the case. It's our tax specialist that's going to handle it. And yeah. I tell people all the time when we're talking to them, no. We are offering, we are the ones talking to the IRS. So it makes a dramatic difference in terms of, of that ability to be able to connect. And like I've told, told people multiple times, same with you, there is an office that if you want to pick up and drive down here, just let me know. You can come sit down right in front of me. Uh, that makes a big difference. A lot of these other places that exist out there, no, there's no ability to sit down with nobody. It's phone only. And if they ever say we use proprietary methods, run the other way. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That, that was uh, I think that was tax masters. We have we have because I had a client say, well, "Can you just talk to them?" And I'm like, "I don't want to talk to them." No, please. So I call them and I'm like, "How are you going to do this?" Because the person had a fully paid up house. He said, "No, they say they can they can do this." And the person said, "Well, we have proprietary methods." So I, I told the client they can't do it. They're lying. Um, you know, after they've, after they fleeced you, you can come back and, you know, then we'll do an installment agreement or whatever you want right, to do. Right. Um, and it, they came in through a friend of mine, that friend did tell me, sure enough, the offer failed. They paid $10,000 and uh, they wouldn't come back to me because they were embarrassed. <laughs> so they go somewhere else. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, things are, you know, so uh, on the flip side, you know, it, things are screwed up. The IRS is broken. Mm -hmm. But honestly, what it is, is it's an opportunity for me and you, mm -hmm. right? It's an opportunity for people that do this because, you know, again, when I started doing this, you could talk to a human being. I mean, honestly, most people could work out their own issues if yeah. they were willing to spend the time and read up on it and talk to the IRS they could more or less work out a lot of their thing. Maybe not all, but a lot right. of it. The problem now, because you can't get to a human being, and even the ones you get to aren't trained. Um, honestly, the need for trained representatives has never been higher. I think yeah. I think that's that's that explains sort of the exponential growth of tax rep. I mean, right. it, the, the tax rep network is. Um, 
Uh, and I've seen it. I've seen it with the podcast. Uh, it keeps going. The following keeps going up and up because I think that more and more we're necessary. Yeah. No. Um, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned your podcast. Which, if you if you don't get on Eric's podcast, it's it's an amazing podcast. Um, it's one of the things that first introduced me um, to you when you started doing that podcast. Um, you know, I've learned more. Sometimes you do these real short ones, three to five minutes, but I've learned more in three to five minutes than other full-blown courses I've attended. So um, so thank you for that podcast. Keep on doing those things. Um, What's funny about it is if you go back and listen to the earliest uh, episodes, it was, um, you know, it was mostly my just bitching about whatever I wanted to bitch about. Um, did I ever tell you the story? So I, that's what it is. And then about six months in, I got like 200 listeners. All right. In fact, everyone seems to have 200 listeners. I don't even think they're real people. They're like bots or something right. or whatever. I have 200 subscribers. And Paul Mamo, the director of collections, and I, I was going to be doing an interview with him uh, at NYU. And I'm talking to him and Paul said, well, Eric, after we do this, let's do it on your podcast. And I was like, you listen to the podcast. And he's like, actually, there's a handful of us that do. And he said, you know, it's good to hear what you think unfiltered. Um, so, of course, my first thought is, one, be careful what I say on the podcast. podcast. But, um, but two, um, so he comes on and we do a back and forth on collection at the time. And I suddenly go from 200 roughly listeners uh, to subscribers to, I think, like, like 1800. Oh my goodness. You know, because all, you know, the director of collections is on and I think it's now like 7,000 is, no is where it is now. Right. Um, and so it's, um, you know, it's just sort of grown, but a lot of it now has been, if I'm seeing something going on in my office, I bet other people are too. Mm -hmm. And so I do tend to talk about that um, a lot as far as, Hey, here's this issue going on and here are my thoughts on it. Um, and sometimes, you know, a lot of times I bring on guests, I'm going to have on the chief of criminal, uh, in the next few weeks and, um, uh, Karen Hawkins, mm -hmm. it's coming on about OPR, um, the office of professional responsibility. So yeah, it's good to have a guest on and go back and forth, but sometimes it's just, Hey, I, I have this observation. Let me share what I think. You know, and, and that's, what's great about having a podcast. And, you know, there's a lot of tax professionals watch my podcast and, or listen to my podcast as well. And is that is by you sharing this information, um, your clients, um, I've had multiple clients and I, I think I talked about this in our platinum group that they will tell me, oh, I listened to all your podcasts, watched all your YouTube channels before they even called me. So the, those mediums of, of communication, are, it's building up that relationship for them to be able to have to, to feel more comfortable in working with you. So that's why it's so important. I, I know like the last few months I've been so busy, I kind of haven't done as many videos, but I need to get back there because as you said, you know, when something happens, um, you need to share that story because there's other people in very similar situations. They're going to see, Oh, he's dealing with that right now. That's my, that's what's happening in my life. Maybe he can help me. So it's a powerful form of communication. Well, and what happens too is, you know, people get your name. Hey, you know what? Call Carlos. You got a problem. Well, with that name, I can assure you, they get usually on their phone, a smart device, and they put in your name, you know, Carlos, blah, 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 and they hit search. And, okay, your website comes up, and your YouTube channel, and this YouTube video, and this YouTube video, and this blog, 
and what it does, I find it does a number of things. One, it's, you know what? I got the right guy or right gal, right? Because he, she, they clearly do this and there's a lot of stuff out there on it. Uh, two, they get to hear and see you. And they, so when they come in, they're already sold. They got your name from someone they trust. Right. They've seen your information. And, you know, it, it what's funny, Carlos, so I, I got asked recently by someone saying, how do you become an influencer? And I was like, well, I don't really know that I'm an influencer, but here's what you will influence people when you provide good content that people need. Need. All right. These the I know that there's um, like this following for these, you know, the famous for nothing people. I, I, I don't want to offend people, but the Kardashians, Paris Hilton, like they're famous because they're famous. I don't know why else they're famous. Right. And, and you, know, I, you know, like Kylie Jenner is a billionaire because she can lay by a pool in a bikini. I, I don't understand it. But for normal people, right, if you put out good content in whatever field you're in. You know, people will follow you because that's how you become an influence. You become an influencer when you actually provide useful information, not not shovel shit at people. You know, after a while, people, you know, you know, TikTok videos are fun, but I don't want to pick someone from TikTok. I want to pick someone who has convinced me they know what they're doing. Right. And so that stream of good information uh, is is how you attract people to you and how you become like an influencer, whatever that means. Exactly. Exactly. And, and what's amazing is that uh, w- with the content that we're providing, um, you know, a, a lot of tax professionals have asked me, well, how many people follow? It, does, it's, it doesn't matter how many people follow you because a lot of people, especially with tax problems, may not follow you because they don't want to be known as somebody following a person with tech that deals with tax problems. So they right. might just be watching you. Um, they're not necessarily following you. So I'm not concerned about how many followers I have. Just get the content out there because it's going to be consumed. And, um, and that's, it, it just, it makes a dramatic difference in terms of people wanting to hire the right person. So as Eric said, if you're looking to hire somebody, um, do a quick Google search and type in their name and, you know, whether it's taxes or tax resolution or tax representation and find out what you can find out about that person before you jump on, jump into it. People spend more time checking out the thing they're going to buy on Amazon and the reviews before then, then they do hiring professionals. Um, No, I would Google the professional and um, see what is out there. Absolutely. I'm going to uh, turn this uh, talk, talking about one of your podcasts, um, one of your first podcasts and um, you, one of your first podcasts, I learned a big strategy when you're dealing with the tax problem, deal with the state first. And me living in California, uh, you know, and I mentioned this to you before the last year, the you know, last 18 months um, um, prior to June, um, June 15th, the IRS pretty much stopped all collections. They pretty much, um, you know, because of COVID, they just, hey, uh, we're not going to come after nobody. But I noticed the state of California about seven months ago, they started doing active levies, wage um, wage garnishments. And um, that comes back to that whole podcast that you originally did. If you got a tax problem, you better deal with the state. Can you kind of um, dig a little bit into that? Well, yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I and, and I dealt a little bit with California. But I will tell you that in Connecticut, where I am, 
Um, and, and in many of the states that I've dealt with, you know, the IRS, for better or worse, the IRS has very defined policies. There's a way to fix almost anything. You know, doubt as to liability offers, audit reconsideration, an offer in compromise, the taxpayer advocate that's a real advocate. Most states don't have that. And so um, like I, I can tell you in Florida, there's no doubt as to liability offer. So, for instance, if you are a audit reconsideration, so I had a client, they issued a sales tax audit that was completely overblown to the tune of half a million dollars. And um, to the accountant whose address they had down there in Florida, um, the accountant never did anything with it. Um, it went final. They don't, there's no way to fix it now. In, in Florida, they have no means to fix it. So, um, number one, everyone's afraid of the IRS. Yeah, fear the state. First of all, the state can pull your sales tax permit like that. They can put you out of business in, 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 in a heartbeat. The IRS can't do it that easily. Um, but the other thing is, as you and I both know, when you're doing a settlement with the IRS, an offer, one of the things they will look at is, do you have delinquent taxes you're paying to the state? If the state was, you know, most people run in, they deal with the IRS, right? And don't get, we'll get around to the state. Well, here's what I have found. The state comes in and says, we want our money in six months. And, and now it becomes a fist fight with them. You then go to the IRS and the IRS says, we don't care about the state. They're behind us. Let them wait. And you'd go to the state and say, well, you got to wait. IRS said so. The state's going to be like, yeah, screw you. We're not waiting. Exactly. And so you have find you have clients between a rock and a hard place. What if? And again, if we this is if we get to the client early enough. Often they've already done the damage. They went to an accountant who didn't know what they were doing. Said, "Hurry up, just file." Right. And same thing with joint. Just hurry up and file joint returns. And they file joint federal returns. Now they've dragged the spouse and her assets or his assets into it. Mm -hmm. And on top of which. Now the IRS is ahead of the state. What if we did our analysis and said, wait a minute, let's do marriage filing separate. Now we've only got one spouse. Maybe we've taken half the equity of the house off the table, whatever else, at least got the other person's assets out of the picture. And then what if we file the state returns first, set up that arrangement with the state, and we can use it as leverage to get rid of the IRS? Um now, again, are you in a community property state, separate property? I mean, you know, California, community property, right. married, finally separate or joint almost doesn't even matter. But if you can get the state assessed, you're going to have to deal with the state because they're jerks. But now we can now the IRS has to allow it and it allows us to create leverage later to resolve often what is the bigger tax debt. So there is an advantage. So for those people listening are like, OK, I'm not following one word of this. Here's the lesson. You meet with Carlos, you do the analysis first before you just knee-jerk, willy-nilly start filing things. Mm -hmm. Have a strategy going in. And because once we know what the end game is, we can engineer backwards. How do we file the returns? Which gets filed first? And we can set you up for the best result that you're going to yeah. be able to get. Exactly. And, and the, I'm not sure how Connecticut works, but I know like the state of California, just – they're aggressively going after old tax returns. Um, um, yeah. I had a client came in here. The state wanted an 89 tax return. So they're aggressively looking at old old tax liabilities 
so they can collect. And, and we know why they're doing this. They don't have the ability to print money like the, 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 the federal government does. Right. So they're trying they're trying to collect money. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this, but the state of California is running a surplus right now. And I know why they're collecting a lot of this old tax liability. Oh, Connecticut. Um, Connecticut actually at one point just sent out notices. Um, so Connecticut's putting a new um, uh, computer system in place. And they warned us that, you know, there's going to be some some kinks, but we've gotten some really funny things. So I did offers for people with the state of Connecticut back in like 2005, 2006. They all got notices that they owe like half a million, a million because of the interest and penalties. And I got I heard from clients I haven't heard from in like 10 years, 15 years. And I called up someone I know at DRS, the assistant commissioner, who said, Eric, we know, just ignore them. We're fixing it. Uh, <laughs> because when they brought everything over, it didn't recognize the offer for some, it, the way it was tabulated, whatever. Right. Um, we had calls from people. I got a call from a company in Philadelphia. They got a bill from the state of Connecticut. They're like, we're not in Connecticut. We, we don't do anything in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And Connecticut basically said, well, we have information that you have been delivering into Connecticut. They said, we don't even have a truck. No, we haven't been delivering. And so um, ultimately they didn't hire us. They ended up working it out. But I mean, we, yeah, Connecticut is right up there with California in, is, and we have no statute of limitations. Yeah, same. There's no 10 year statute for collection. It never goes away. We charge 1% a month statutory interest, just like a credit card. So you can have people have a company fail its sales tax. They can't go bankrupt on it. And in 10 years, it's a million dollars. Wow. And unless you can do an offer, it never goes away. It never elapses. You can't go bankrupt on it. Uh, I've had clients literally move to Florida and start banking at a local credit union where, the, where DRS can't reach it because they, they literally just can't work anything out. No, man. Yeah, uh, the states are scary. God, one thing California is doing out here a lot, um, and you've probably heard of this, is where they file um, an occupational, because somebody didn't file a return, they'll just file a return based on their occupational license. So whatever the average salary is for the real estate agent, barber, um, anybody that has a California license for an occupation, they just file the return, assess the tax, and start collecting. Um, so... <laughs> A lot of fun. So I, I know we got to wrap it up. You you got to be out of here at forty five after the hour. Um, any last minute thoughts um, in regards to you know the IRS is broken and how to deal with tax stuff? That you'd like to share? Um, well, I mean, so I, there are ways to deal with the IRS. Um, first of all, if you're a taxpayer, get a professional that does this. Um, and if you really don't know where to begin. Um, taxrepdirectory.com has got like 350 of them all over the country. But you want to get someone who does this. If you're a tax pro, there are ways to deal with this. It's not necessarily the most efficient, but we can, like the doubt is the liability offer. We can prevent collection, force a review, and do those sorts of things. Um, it's going to be a very trying time, but I will tell you from a business perspective, I mean, come on. It's like mana from heaven. There's a huge need. People are in trouble. Uh, the government is not going to be able to easily resolve it. And uh, right now we're, we're, we're drowning. Yeah. Just yeah, drowning. Exactly. And, um, uh, you know, if, um, 
but I think my final thoughts are for tax pros, great time to do this, but you just need to understand how the system works and you can help people. If you're a taxpayer, get a professional to help you because trying to navigate this yourself right now is going to be more trying than ever. Exactly. Exactly. And how, um, obviously you got your podcast. It's the tax rep network podcast, right? Yeah. And, um, how else can people find you? If they want to get, um, um, well, Googling me is usually a pretty good one, but you know, the law firm is green and scars. Um, but Eric green tax and I pop up all over the place. Oh, okay. There is the podcast and then tax rep network and, uh, finding me is usually not, not too, that too, that too hard. Huh? Well, Eric, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. And um, um, I know we're going to uh, connect here in December, I believe, in Vegas. So I'm um, looking forward to meeting up with you guys, um, with you and um, having a good time down there. Yeah, no, Vegas is uh, December, what, 13th and 14th. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be live for two days, uh, assuming we don't have another surge of coronavirus. But right now, things look like we're heading in the right direction, finally. It's looking good. Um, so yeah, it's too fun. I'm looking forward to actually getting together in person again. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Eric. Bye-bye. Thank you. You can always reach the Godfather, Carlos Samaniego at taxdebtconsultant.com or call him directly, 909-570-1103 or on Facebook. Look for the Tax Debt Consultant. Make sure you pick up his book, How to Make the IRS, an offer they can't refuse, on Amazon. Remember, you can live the life of a good fella once you take care of your tax problems. The Godfather is here to help.